And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So you. Looking forward to getting to know all of you at some point. And most of you know I'm the interim pastor here for a season until God calls the next pastor. But I just want to let you know that uh, although I'm part-time and I'm the interim, uh, I am here to help you. Uh, to know me is to know that I love to be with people, meet people, know your story. I want you to know my story. I'm an extrovert. So how many extroverts do we have here this morning? Let me see. All right. Oh, man, we got a lot. Of int- how many introverts do we have here? Whoa. Have mercy. Have mercy. Well, I love introverts. And, uh, you know, there we go. We got some more introverts finally raising, raising their hand up. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, the great thing about the, the, the time we're living in, it, although I'm in Winston-Salem and we'll commute back and forth, we can set up a Zoom call. Uh, but if you're really struggling, hurting, and you need help, I want to help you. So if you ask me for help, you're really uh, blessing me because that's what I love to do. Uh, I believe God's called me to be a shepherd, uh, to be a pastor, to be an encourager. Now, for the children here today, um, you're already probably wondering, what do I call Clyde Godwin? What do I call him? So, Hannah, I know you've got that question. Like, what do I, you saw me this morning, and I'm sure you're saying, "What, what do I call him? So, you can call me Pastor C, okay? So, that's one thing. You can call me PC, okay? Now, if you're really brave, you can call me Dumbledore, okay? Uh, And if you're really, really brave, you can call me Gandalf, okay? And if you really want to get out there, you can call me Obi-Wan, okay? So, Hannah, of all those, which one are you going to call me? Dumbledore. I love it. I love it. I love it. And for your older people, you can call me Dumbledore, um, but I'm really Gandalf, okay? So uh, so let's, uh, let's get into it. 
Um, so this morning we come, and again, what we're doing in this series, we're focusing on the idea of listening. Uh, one of the best ways to love Jesus, to love God, is to listen to him. Uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. If you really want to connect with Jesus, um, you're going to listen for his voice. Jesus says, my sheep will hear my voice. This is all about the sower sowing the seed. Remember what Jesus said right there in verse 9. He who has ears, let him hear. Um, one of my memorable experiences, uh, Valerie, although she's from the Pennsylvania-Delaware area, moved here when, to Charlotte when she was in the 8th grade. Um, and so when we were in transition from Atlanta, before we ended up back in Winston-Salem, we spent a few months in Charlotte with Valerie's mom. Valerie's father had passed away. Um, that year, and her, her mom was really lonely, and we, I didn't have a job, so we were trying to figure out where do we go next, and so I became a part of a prayer group of men who would just meet to pray for each other, and uh, one of my good friends from, who lives in Charlotte said, why don't you just come pray with us, and it was a great time because we'd get together, and it was like, we're going deep, we're going to pray, and I remember this guy knowing that I was in transition, that I was struggling, I was having a hard time, he said, Clyde, I really want to pray for you, and I want to do something that I don't want to freak you out when I do it, but could I put my hands over your ears and pray for you? And he prayed this long prayer for me that I could hear from God, I could hear from Jesus, I could see the Holy Spirit working. So part of why I want to focus on this is that I think it's foundational. It's one of those ways to know God better that if you miss it, you miss something very foundational, a path that God wants you to discover, that he wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to hear him talking to you in ways that we'll talk more about as we do this series. But our God is speaking even today, and he's here to speak to you through his son, Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. So let's pray. And uh, again, we're going to do this every time through this series. So just take a deep breath and just allow yourself to be present and be still. So just take a deep breath and exhale and just be present um, and pray for someone near you. Uh, that needs to hear his voice today. It could be in front and back to your side. Just pray for somebody that God prompts you to pray for, even as I'm asking you to pray. Just pray quietly. They can hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. Now, I want, I want to invite you to pray for yourself. Ask Jesus to help you hear his voice today. And I want you to pray for me that I can hear his voice even while I'm preaching today. <coughs> Jesus, we, uh, we come, we're poor in spirit, but you've said we'd find incredible joy if we'd admit uh, how much we need you today, how desperate we really are. It's hard for all of us to be that vulnerable, that real. But you say, blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for we will see the kingdom and we want to hear you the great king of the kingdom draw us near today amen uh, I'm the oldest of five children uh, my dad I grew up in a little town in South Carolina Bamberg uh, it's in low country South Carolina his dad Clyde he was Joseph Clyde Godwin so I'm named for my grandfather um, my grandfather Clyde ran a sawmill and he was famous for being able to go into the deep swamp the woods and draw out cypress trees which were sort of the hot item back when my dad was growing up uh, but my dad was a super good athlete um, he was good at everything uh, his high school team uh, won the state championship now they were division one uh, one not division one but a 1a so the smallest high school but they won uh, the state championship so because they won the state championship they were invited to initial kickoff game exhibition game with the number one team that was in the 5A team, so smallest to the biggest. So my dad and his little team from Bamberg, South Carolina, went to Columbia, South Carolina, to play the big high school that had won the state championship. So already, some of you figured it out, this is not going to end well, <laughs> you know. So you got the 5A team, you got the 1A team, and it's Friday Night Lights, all right? So my dad said, we trot out of the field. We were so proud because we had won the state championship, and they had an all-state running back named Leroy, all right? So Leroy was amazing. So my dad said, we went out there, and we had the ball first, and we ran a few plays. Now, if you've ever played football, any kind of contact sport, and you get hit by somebody who's bigger and faster and stronger than you, it not only rings your bell, it's just like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> you know, this is awful. And so sure enough, first few plays, Leroy runs uh, the ball, and he gets crushed. I mean, knocked down, almost knocked out. I mean, these big boys pounce on him, knock him to the ground. He can barely get up, gets back in. Now, my dad played in, which meant he was up down here at the end, catch passes. They would run plays back and in, so back and forth from the coach who would call the play. So my dad would run to the side, get the play, run it to the quarterback. So my dad would run, run out there, get the play, come back in, and he'd tell the quarterback, call this play. Let's say it's play 44, which meant Leroy got the ball. Okay. So about the third time my dad came in, and Leroy's already been leveled, you know. Uh, my dad would say, run play 44. And the quarterback said, okay, on three, we're going to run 44. And he'd kind of look over at Leroy, and Leroy would go, nope, nope. And so the quarterback would change the play. He'd call another play, okay? So they changed the play, run the play. And so about the second or third time that the quarterback changed the play, the coach yells at him, hey, Tommy, tell Leroy to run the play. Give him the ball, Okay. And Tommy, I mean, here you are, Columbia, Friday Night Lights, big stadium, people are, he yells back at his coach, Coach, Leroy doesn't want the ball, okay? <laughs> now, here's what happens to us as believers. Life can be brutal, can it? It can be incredibly hard. And if you ever get sideswiped, you ever get uh, head-on by life, by people, by yourself, whatever, and God wants you to keep following him, to serve him, to know him better. 
there's something inside me goes, I don't think so. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, no, God, I'm, no, no, my heart's too broken, I'm too beat up, I'm almost knocked out, no. I'm not going to let myself be set up to be hurt like that again. So where does that put you? It puts you in soil number two, okay? So when we read about soul number two, let's just talk about this for a second. Let me go over what Jesus said about soil number two. All right, first one is about being hard-hearted. Soul number two is about being somebody that Jesus describes this way. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. Thank you, God, that you're in my life, that you love me. Okay, all right, great. But because, now here's the thing to notice, they have no root in themselves. They're not rooted. They have no foundational strength that goes into the soil of who Jesus is for them. So when they, uh, so they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, then tribulation and persecution arises, and on account of the word, which is follow me, serve me, love me, they fall away, they give up, they despair. John Piper, who is a, sort of a famous writer, thinker, has a great book on missions where he has this classic line that if you get around that world where he is or about missions, he has a line that says, life is war, that's not all it is, but it is always that. So we got two points this morning. Life is war. That's number one. Number two is, but that's not all it is, okay? And then we'll wrap it up, but, but it's always that, okay? So life is war. If we were to break into small groups of two or three right now or afterwards, we would sit at a picnic table or you'd say, Clyde, I need a Zoom call with you. And I said, what's up? You know, and you'd say, can we talk about what happened to me? Or I'm just getting to know you, and I could say, tell me a time in your life when you were the happiest, and tell me a time in your life when you were the saddest. Now, um, I'm drawn, as you would be, if I told you one of the really sad times in my life, and I'll tell you some of my stories at some point, most of you, because you're sensitive, caring people, would say, I connect with him because of that. I, I like Clyde because he's been where I've been. He's had his heart broken. He's been crushed. He knows what it's like to be broken all the way down to his floor. Now, in the same way with all of you, if you let me know, and even for the children said, here's a time where I was so embarrassed or I failed or I went away hating myself. If you told me that story, I would remember it and it would draw me to you. See, what we're doing as churches, we're gathering as a bunch of broken-hearted people, hard-hearted people, and people who are not well-rooted or grounded in what God has for us. And because of that, when hard times come, but here's sort of a test, when you know God's called you to make a difference. There's somebody at work, somebody, a neighbor, there's somebody at your street, Rather than figuring out how can I help them or what do they need and how would God use me, you go, here I am, send Matt. Okay, we got two mats over here, so send double Matt, okay? You know, surely these elders can help them, but not me. 
and you immediately step away from the call on your life to make a difference um, in somebody's life. And everybody here who follows Jesus, you're made for intimacy with him, and you're made to make a difference in the lives of people. That calling is on your life because you belong to Jesus. But what we read here in soil number two is the exact opposite. Immediately check out. Now, obviously this is addressing people who really don't know God. They act like they do, but they don't follow through. But for us as believers, we can learn from this because how often do we act as if we don't know God? <laughs> we don't believe the cross has any power. And even though none of us would deny, most of us here would not deny we belong to Jesus, we know we're going to heaven, uh, practically we live as if it's not true. All right? We live as if we are not believers. We're not sheep. We're not followers of Jesus. And so um, this is where God really wants to help us. Now, most of you know this, so a little review here. We're in a parable. One of the, the sort of foundational par parable, because Jesus is going to say, if you get this parable, it's, opens, it's the secret of the kingdom. So that's why I want to start here. So uh, Jesus says, and he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So a parable usually has one main idea. The main idea here is the sower. So if you get a hold of the idea of the sower in this parable, it's like getting lightning in a bottle. It's like, whew. I know, I know how to, I think I've got an idea how to reconnect or be the person I want to be, be because I know the sower. <laughs> Jesus says, if you know me, I'm the sower. And so it's, it's about him, but he wants to relate to us because even though it's about him, he knows that most of us, most of the time, it's about me. <laughs> it's not about Jesus. It's me, myself, and I. It's my kingdom come, why, my will be done. I wanted to stop Matt when he was leading us in the Lord's Prayer and say, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. I want to pray my, my prayer. My kingdom come, my will be done. And most of us, if we're really honor, honest, we're way too self-absorbed. It's about me. <laughs> but if you get to know the sower, this thing happens where you go from being soil number two to being fertile ground and say, Jesus, it's about you. I want to get back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. Now, when that seed begins to come into your life, then things really change because, again, when I'm living about me, myself, and I, I'm living in a false narrative. I'm being tr untrue to myself. I'm being my false self. And I'm acting as if God is not who he's revealed to me, who he is from age 19, so it's been 52 years I've been following Jesus. But when I know who he really is, I know who really I am, and I want to be who he wants me to be. Now, there's another thing to notice here that will really challenge you and encourage you. But again, if you live with a false narrative about God, I'm going to read this to you, and if we had a little one-on-one sitting over coffee saying, what do you think that says? All right, so Jesus says this. He says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom, but for those outside, everything is in par parables. Verse 12, so 
they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. Jesus is quoting from Isaiah 6 and actually this verse shows up six times in the gospel because people are trying to understand Jesus like, why aren't people excited about what you're saying? Why do they not want to follow this? Why aren't they hearing what you say? And Jesus said that they may see but they, they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed, indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now, if you don't know God very well, you, you, here's what you think. God is bad. <laughs> and he's bringing a word of judgment on these people. And so this is coming with Isaiah being saying, God, here I am, send me. And God saying, Isaiah, here's what you got ahead of you. Now, again, I really want to help you but right at this point because this, this is not original. It's in the commentaries. As a matter of fact, let me read to you a little bit from my favorite commentator on this and listen to what he says. He says this. Okay, uh, let me get where we are, uh, where I want to get to in this. He says, if we read this not hearing the tone of bitter exasperation but a tone of regretful love, it would sound quite different. Now, I'm going to back up. He says, when Jesus said this, he did not say it in anger or irritation or bitterness or exasperation. He said it with the wistful longing of frustrated love. So if you read it that way, you think about somebody saying it because their love is not being returned. They're speaking out of their own broken heart. Jesus saying, oh, that my people would listen to me. Because they could see, but they're not seeing. They could hear, but they don't want to hear. Because I want to forgive them. Now, when you have a false narrative of God, and again, this happens all the time, when I talk with people, here's what people will say, something like this. I know God is mad at me. I know he's angry at me. I know he's frustrated with me. I know he's disappointed with me. And, uh, and so I always throw another question. I throw a question and say, well, rather than believing that he's mad at you, what would it look like for you to believe that he's madly in love with you? Now, one of the great things about the gospel, if you know Jesus, he's not mad at you. <laughs> he's taking care of all the anger, the judgment, the condemnation, the rejection, hell itself. He's madly in love with you. So have you ever loved somebody and they didn't love you back? How many, oh, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. If you've seen the movie Holiday, okay, in that movie, Kate Winslet, who's one of my favorite actors, she, uh, well, I, I, in New York, everybody's an actor, not an actress, okay? So um, I'm going to pull out my New York stuff right here. So, um, but uh, she's an amazing, but in this, she's so in love with this guy at work, but he doesn't even notice her. And she laments, and she's telling Jack Black, the guy she's going to fall in love with, about how painful it is. Do you know what it's like to be in a relationship with unrequited love? Where you're so in love with someone, and they won't love you back. You're doing everything to be noticed, everything to let them know how much you love them. And, you know, talk to the hand. You're, you're making, I don't, I don't even see you. I don't even notice you. Now, when you turn that around and go, that's the way God feels about us. <laughs> Folks, God is so in love with you, so in love with Norcross Church. 
What's the problem? We, we don't acknowledge it. We can't experience it. And we're not letting ourselves feel the depth and the riches of the love he has for us because it's a game changer. It will turn your life absolutely around. You'll go from being on a 1A team to a 5A team, and all of a sudden you'll say something like this. It'll come out of your mouth and go, who are you? I am more than a conqueror in Christ through the love he's shown me. I, bring it on. Bring it. I, I'm ready to say to that mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the, into, into the sea. That is conquering love that Jesus wants to put into the life of North Cross Church. And it's not that it's not there. He wants to cultivate it and make it grow. So, but when we don't have a root in ourselves, we're not rooted in that love, here's what happens. Paul says, we're called to be master builders. We've been given these precious stones to build with. But what are we doing? We're building with wood, hay, straw. You know, there's a big difference with building with wood, hay, straw, how quickly it can disappear, go away, versus the precious stones. Now, let me give you a little clue here. I'm going to be Dumbledore, and it's not the sorcerer's stone, but the savior's stone, okay? The stone of listening. You can build with that. You can build your life around becoming a better listener to Jesus. Uh, my mentor, uh, who when I was young, I, I do remember being young, sort of, uh, but um, my mentor was in his 50s, and he went through an amazing revival in his life. I mean, he is just like, he is being transformed by the gospel, the love of Christ. I mean, to be around him was to be in the fuego. I mean, he was on fire. He was so on fire just to be around him. And so he got really, began to get really bold, and he said, you know, I need to do a better job of loving my wife, so I'm going to go to my wife, and I'm going to ask her this question. Rosemary, if you could change one thing about me, what would you change? So, guys, if you're really brave, go home and ask that to your wife today. I'll do it if you'll do it. So, but if you're not going to do it, I'm not doing it. So anyway, <laughs> so I want all you guys who have the courage to tell me at the picnic, I'm going to do that, all right? So anyway, uh, <coughs> so he says to his wife, Rosemary, what would you change about me? And she goes, Jack, you do not listen. You're not a good listener. And this famous seminary professor, evangelist, on fire for Jesus, initially he was a little hurt. <laughs> he, he would say he was insulted. You know, like he prided himself on being a good listener, but his wife said, you're not a good listener. So he said, okay, I'm going to repent. I'm going to believe the gospel and change. A year later he goes back to her and he said, Rosemary, you change one thing about me, what would you change? And here's what she said, verbatim, Jack, you still don't listen. <laughs> She's calling him out. Now, again, though, here's, here's what I want you to see and hear this morning is, is that God has given us the ears to hear. Now, we need people to pray for us. We need the Spirit. We need community. But he's given you this incredible ability to listen to his voice. Now, most of you have lots of voices in your life that are monkey chatter, that are telling you, you need to do this, you need to do that, you're only as good as this, whatever. But when you hear the voice of Jesus speak into your life 
and use your, his word or a friend or many ways that he can speak to us, you go, I, I want to know that voice. I want to know it better. I want to hear his voice. Um, a lot of churches want to get people into heaven, which is not a bad thing. But if you're really a healthy church at North Cross, we want to help people discover the joy of going to heaven. But then the next thing is we want to get heaven into them right now. So we want to help you get heaven into yourself right now. And how will you know that that's happening? You'll hear his voice. You'll hear Jesus saying, I love you. Or uh, I was really struggling uh, with one of the hard things in my life. And I was waking up in the night and I was praying for this situation and I just heard the phrase, which I've heard before, but I heard it again. I knew it was from the Spirit. Jesus saying, just saying this, nothing is impossible for me. Which was like, man, I needed that. I so needed that. So when heaven begins to get into you, all of a sudden your ability to hear goes way up. And your capacity to listen to God really begins to grow. And then you begin to be re rooted. So here's what happens. Now, I'm going to, we're going to kind of go fast now. We've been sort of lapping the track, you know, just getting our engines warmed up. But we're getting ready to fly, okay? So seatbelts on, we're getting ready to really rev the engines. We're getting ready to do NASCAR, okay? We're going to fly here. So get ready. Although we're in a war, it's not all that. So what is it? It's beginning to understand that to be in the fertile soil is how we begin to learn how to process su suffering. So <coughs> one of my friends who tragically died young of pancreatic cancer, um, he and I got to know each other. He was my counselor for a season that I went to work through. But he says, when you're going through hard things, you need to ask yourself, Three questions. You can be honest with God and say, God, why me? Why us? Why now? But he says, now again, I'm, I'm going to go way fast on this, so don't get discouraged if you go, wow, he's taking some giant leaps. But here's where we want to go. The second question you want to ask yourself, though, is after you get over why me, is you say, Jesus, why you? Why would you enter into the mess and brokenness of this world? So when you can get to there, you're going to start to get help. How to rework, rethink, understand, get healing, get hope for your suffering. That Jesus has entered into your suffering in an unbelievable way. That when you understand it, you can say with Paul, I rejoice in my suffering. Not because of my suffering, but because there's one who's entered into my suffering who can now love me through it. So our first church plant when Valerie and I were in Winston-Salem in the early 80s. I'm at a breakfast meeting with my key leaders at the Lighthouse restaurant there in um, uh, Winston-Salem, and it's now closed, so pray for me. My heart still misses their wonderful grits and all these good things that I would eat there. But at that, I'm, at the, I'm in the discussion, with, and I'm complaining. I'm, we can't get volunteers. Our giving is down. It's my first church plant. My reputation's at stake. I'm just moaning and griping about how sorry the church God gave me is, okay? And so, um, so one of my dear friends said, hey, Clyde, we've heard a lot about the fellowship of Clyde's suffering. Now, could we hear about the fellowship of Jesus' suffering? 
Now, when he asked that question, everybody at the table was, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we, <laughs> they laughed, I laughed, but it was just like one of those, <laughs> you know, like, oh yeah, it was a game changer. Because rather than me sitting there and dealing with, why me? I went, Jesus, you want to enter into this for me, and you're suffering with me, for me, for our church. That when I know your fellowship in the midst of my suffering, then wow. But see, here's where you really, this is when you rev up and you're going 200 and some miles around the Lowe's Raider Motor Speedway. You're going fast. When you can get to this point, and this is where God wants to take all of us, that if you're facing suffering, going through hardship, God wants you to get to the place and say this, why not me? Why not me? Now again, from some of you, that's going to sound strange, weird, and it's going to be, it's going to hurt you. But I want to encourage you that if you'll let Jesus take you there, and you'll say, why not me? You're going to enter into a realm of his glory that you never thought possible. And not only will you feel love, but God will use you to help people who've been through incredibly difficult things because you've lived through the hard question, why me? Why you, Jesus? But why you not me? And then you're ready to go. You're ready to fly. You're ready to go, wow, here we go. And so as we finish here this, uh, this morning, um, uh, some of you have watched the TV show Friday Night Lights, um, and uh, I've, I've been watching it for the first time. And I've never watched it, but I grew up playing football. So high school, Friday Night Lights, we're on. But in the TV show, one of the chants for the team is this. Clear eyes, full hearts, we cannot lose. So when they're getting ready to ramp out and go on the field, the captain on the team will look at the team, and he'll, and he'll just nod his head, and they'll all say together, clear eyes, full hearts, we cannot lose. We cannot lose. Now, uh, we want to redeem that a little bit, so let's end with this sort of chant. Uh, clear consciences, or pure hearts, the lamb is conquered, we cannot lose. If you've got a clear conscience because you believe in the gospel and you've got a pure heart, so not only can you hear from God, you can see Jesus dying in your place, then you'll say, the lamb is conquered, we cannot lose. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning for visiting us and helping us and challenging us and convicting us. And Lord, we, we pray now for your spirit to come and help us as we draw to the table, and we come to the table this morning. Uh, we ask it in your name. Amen.